If you would turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, please. Matthew chapter 9. Beginning in verse 10. Matthew 9 verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus said at meat in the house, He was having dinner. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with Him and His disciples. And when the Pharisees, that being the religious leaders, saw it, they said unto His disciples, Why eateth your Master with publicans and sinners? Why, why does He socialize with such folk? But when Jesus heard that, He said unto them, They that be whole, or those that are well, need not a physician, but they that are sick. Sick people need doctors. But go and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, I never cease to be amazed at how man-made religion always gets the things of God backwards. That's why the Lord said, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. The Lord's referring to what is written in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, which reads, For I desired mercy, God speaking, I desired mercy and not sacrifice in the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Now, if the Pharisees had known that that verse in Ho- what that verse in Hosea chapter six meant, it would have silenced, I believe, their objections to him socializing with publicans and sinners. But they didn't know what it meant. The Lord never desired. Now, listen. The Lord never desired. The Lord never delighted or found pleasure in all the Old Testament sacrifices. They served one purpose, and that was they pointed to Christ. They pointed to Christ. All the sacrifice of the, and the blood of bulls and goats never put away the first sin. They just pointed to the one who was coming that would put away all sin forever. The Lord is saying, I came to show mercy. Not to receive from you sacrificial gifts and offerings. I didn't come for you to offer something to me. See, folks have that backwards. I didn't come for you to do service to me. I didn't come to be ministered to by you. I came to minister to you. I came to have mercy on the diseased. I came to save sick sinners. I didn't come to call the righteous. Those who don't know that they're sick. Those who that think they're well in their own eyes. I came to call sinners to repentance. To change. I came in the world to save those who want help and need help. Do you need help? Go and learn what that means. Has the Lord taught this to you? The Lord said... You ask, why do I eat with publicans and sinners? Because I came to call publicans and sinners. I came to save publicans and sinners. I am the great physician. And that's why I came. To heal the broken heart. To set at liberty those that are captive. 
I came to call those who need a physician's help. People who are well need not, need not a physician. But it's a different story altogether for those that are sick. Do you see that you're sick? Solomon in Proverbs chapter 21, verses 1 through 3 tells us just that. Solomon wrote, The king's heart's in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. You see, the, only, the Lord is the only one that can save. Every heart, even the king's heart, is in his hand to do with as he sees fit. Who is salvation of? It's of the Lord. He turns a sinner's heart as He wills. It has nothing to do with the dead sinner's will because all sinners are dead in trespasses and sin and have no will. What good's my will going to do when I have no will? Solomon said in verse 2, he went on to say, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts. Why does the Lord ponder the hearts? He tells us to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Everything that natural men and women do, they think is right. It's right in their own eyes. They see it as right. And there's a way that seems right in the man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. You got it backwards. But... The Lord pondereth. That word I found interesting uh, means to measure in the balances, to weigh in the scales of His holiness, the hearts of men and women. And what does He find there? What does the Lord find in our hearts? Hearts deceitful above all things. Hearts that were and are desperately wicked. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. And there are always going to be some that say, well, not. I think some bad things, but not every thought is only evil continually. In God's eyes, they are. Compared to a thrice holy God, they are. So evil that God repented. God was sorry that He made man on the earth. And it says it grieved Him in His heart. God ponders. God weighs in the balance the scales of justice to do justice and judgment which is more acceptable unto the Lord than sacrifice. Christ didn't come in the world to receive something from us. Aren't you so glad? We don't have anything to offer God. Nothing that God would accept. He came in the world to give Himself for sinners. This is the message of the Bible from beginning to end. Even as the Son of Man came not to minister unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Man-made religion has it backwards. Three will religions got it reversed. You go and learn what that means, our Lord said. This is the message men and women need to learn. Learn that the Lord doesn't need to do... do, uh, I don't need to do something for the Lord. The Lord must do something for me. Men and women hear the Gospel of God's free and sovereign grace and the first thing they say is, what must I do to be saved? That's just part of our nature that's instilled in us. 
That's what we need to go and learn. That's what we need to be taught. We can't do anything to be saved. That's why Christ came. Nothing we can do. And you know what? It's not our sin that keeps us from Christ. It's our righteousness that does. Man-made righteousness keeps us from Christ. Your sins make you a candidate for salvation. Christ came into the world to save sinners. The only qualification required for salvation is that you feel your need of Him, that you're a sinner. Has God shown you you're a sinner? That's who Christ came to seek and to save. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was laid upon Him. This is a message of what God in Christ has done for wretches like me and you. That's why it's good news. Peter wrote, Christ died the just for the unjust. Christ died for unjust sinners. Why? That He might bring them to God. It was the only way. Paul wrote, Christ died for the ungodly. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet, what? Sinners! Christ died for us. Oh, if you're a sinner, this is the best news you ever heard. It's the Gospel. It's good news. Most religion today concentrates on all its efforts on outward morality. Their directions to eternal life is turn right and go straight. I'll never forget, they taught me that in Sunday school. And man, I thought it was a cute little thing. Turn right and go straight. I like that. Only one problem with it, Shelley. We can't turn right and go straight. And yet, like the Pharisees of old, they say and do not. It's nothing but an outward show of hypocrisy. Turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, they observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay, on, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uttermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called of men rabbi. Then look down at verse 12. The Lord added, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. 
Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you compass a compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when, it's, when he's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And friends, it's the same today. In uh, works religionists, they say one thing and do another. Nothing but hypocrisy. And like the Pharisees, they put burden on folks that they themselves will not bear. And like the Pharisees of old, they do their works to be seen of men. And like the Pharisees of old, they call Christ Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Men in our Lord's day like to be called titles like Master and Father and Rabbi. It's no different today. Men like to be called pastor and reverend and doctor. To me, it's kind of like sticking a pretty hair bow and an earring, diamond earrings on a pig. Or putting a tuxedo on a pig. It's still a pig. Right? The religious Jews bragged on the dead prophets and they killed the living ones. That's what they did to John the Baptist, the greatest of all prophets. The Lord Himself said there's no greater man, no greater prophet than John the Baptist. They loved Abraham. They loved Moses. They quoted Isaiah. But they denied the very things that those men said. These men missed the Gospel. They missed the person and work of Christ. That's what it's all about. Not what you do, what God has done for you. They didn't understand that publicans and sinners were who Christ came to save. They turned up their noses. The publicans and sinners were drawn to Christ and they came and they sat down with Him. And He welcomed them. They felt so comfortable. Around, I feel so comfortable around my Lord. I don't feel that I'm being judged. I know that's who He came to save. However, the scribes and the Pharisees, they stood at a distance. I can just see them. You know, pompous and proud, and they uh, stood at a distance and said, "Why, why, why does your master eat, socialize with publicans and sinners?" This is why, friends. Those who be whole need not. They have no need. You know, the Greek word for whole is a derivative. Of the word forcefulness. It means to be able. Those who are able. Those who can do. That's what it means. Those who can do. It means those who can be good. Those who can prevail by their own forceful work. They don't need a physician. Our Lord Jesus was not the Savior of good men. He was the Savior of sinners. The diseased, the evil, the miserable and sick... Those who are well don't need a physician, but they are sick. They that are sick. The Word of God does not picture sinners in a good light. How can folks not see it? They're blind and they cannot see. Why can't they hear it? They're deaf and they don't have ears to hear. Why can't they believe it? They've not been given hearts that can. The only difference between us and them is the difference that God makes. 
The only difference between them is the Lord has revealed them unto babes and hidden them from the wise and the prudent. Those who think themselves to know everything. Go and learn what this means. Christ will have mercy and not sacrifice. Your personal sacrifices will not save you. They'll only make you feel righteous. They'll only convince you that you are righteous. The Pharisees are a perfect example. They were holier than thou. They stuck their phylacteries with their robes with all these prayer requests. And as they walk down the street, people go, wow, they're so holy. Furthest thing from it. Furthest thing from it. Now I want you to look back just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Matthew 5, verse 20. Our Lord said here, but I, for I say unto you that except your righteousness, your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case, under no circumstance, enter into the kingdom of heaven. And you've heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his Brother, and without a cause shall be in danger of judgment and hellfire. Then look down at verse 27. Our Lord went on to say, Now you've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh upon a woman and to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. You see, this is a hard matter. Salvation is not what we sacrifice to God. Salvation is Christ who sacrificed for us. It's not an outward work of morality. Every fallen sinner has got a heart disease. Salvation is an inward healing of the heart. and in, uh, Actually, a, a heart transplant. <laughs> God taking out the old heart, that deceitfully wicked and desperately wicked heart, and giving us a new one. Has God taught you what these things mean? If not, go and learn what they mean. Do you know why Christ came in the world? Do you know why Christ became a man born of a woman? Why He was born under the very law that He wrote? Why He was tried and tempted and tested as we are? In all points, the Scripture says. In every way. Yet without sin. Why did He die on the cross such a shameful death? You ever think about that? Why did He suffer and die under the wrath of God? Why did He lay in the grave for three days and nights? Why did He arise from that grave? Paul said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. And if Paul was the chief of sinners, boy, what does that make me? Who did Christ come to seek and to save? That which was lost. Who in the world is lost? Those in the world that doesn't have Christ. John said, He that hath not the Son hath not life. God the Son and eternal life are synonymous. Did you know that? When you Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Those who 
believe on Christ, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Those who believe not are condemned already. That's what the Lord said. Why? Because they have not, not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the name of the only begotten Son of God. Christ died for those in the world who believed. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And everybody takes that and runs with it and says, see, God loves the whole world. Read the rest of the verse. That whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And those that don't believe on Him, they're condemned already. They're born condemned. And this is the condemnation the lights come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. I did and so did you. Until God revealed Christ to us. That's why publicans and sinners were drawn unto Him. And that's why believing sinners still are today. <laughs> if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That word men is italicized and it was added. And we know this doesn't mean all the world. If Christ died for all the world, all the world's going to be saved. None will perish for whom Christ died. There will be none in hell for whom Christ died. All here means all His elect people. Well, there you go again. Listen, that's what the Bible says. All that the Father gave to Him. Everyone which seeth the Son, all who believe on Him, all He will raise up at the last day, all that are taught of God, all that have learned of the Father, all that come unto Christ. That's who that all is. Our Lord is sitting and socializing with people that need Him. It's sinners that need grace. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ died. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things written in the law to do them. Have you kept God's law perfectly? All of it? No. No, I hadn't even come close. Never kept one thing perfectly. But Christ hath delivered us from the curse of the law. How? By being made a curse for us. That's the message. That's the Gospel. That's the good news. He's the sinner's Savior. Who did Christ come in the world to save? He came in the world to save sinners. He came to save those who had great need. He came to save those who could make no perfect sacrifice unto Him. Now let me show you that from the Scriptures. Turn back to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came, when he was come down, that's Christ from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Look at chapter 9, verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years. And we're told in another place that she'd spent all she had, all her living on doctors to get well and none of them could heal her. 
but she had an issue of blood 12 years. She came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now, Matthew chapter 20. We could go so many places in the Scripture, but trying to keep you close here in Matthew. Look at chapter 20, verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Thou Son of David. Now here we have three accounts. We have an account of an incurable leper, and he's at death's doorstep. Here we have a woman bleeding to death, and she's near death. She's dying. She's, for 12 years, she's been bleeding. We've got two blind men reduced to begging. What did they all have in common? Well, several things, but one in particular. First, they'd all heard of Christ. But there's more than that. Secondly, they all know who Christ was. The, the, the leper called Him Lord. In Mark's account, it is said of the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, the blind men called Christ the Son of David. That was the same as calling Him Lord in Christ. Thirdly, they all knew what He could do for them. The leper said, Lord, if You will, You can make me whole. The issue is not, can you? I know you can do anything. You can do everything. The question is, will you? What did the Lord say? I will. I will. The woman said, if I can but touch the hem of His garment, He need not look at me. He need not pray over me. All He's got to do, all I have to, all, all needs to be done is just to touch Him. Just to touch. I shall be made whole. The blind men cried, Have mercy on us, Lord. And they cried all the more when they were told to be quiet. You see, they knew some things a lot of folks didn't know. And fourthly, they all came to Him. They didn't come to His disciples. They didn't come to the temple. They, the church can't give you life. They didn't come to the altar. Coming up front is not going to save anybody. They didn't come to Mary, His mother. That's what a particular denomination will tell you today. They all came to Him. They came to Christ. They had many things in common, but the one thing they all had in common was their need of Him. I'm going to call this Christ has made to me all I need. He is. He's all I need. He is the one thing needful. God shall supply all your need. How? According to His riches in glory in, by, and through Jesus Christ. These sick folks had nothing to sacrifice. These dying sinners had nothing to give, but they needed the very thing that He was giving, and that was mercy. If you're a sinner, you need mercy. And if you're a sinner, then you need Christ. Because He is God's mercy. That's what makes us all needy. You and I are lepers. 
It's eating us from the inside out. Sin is. We have leprosy of the soul and we're dying. We have an issue of blood. Our blood is bad. you got bad blood. I've had that said about me a few times. It's true. We need a miracle of grace. We need a new heart. We need new blood. Without it, death is sure. Judgment is certain. Eternal destruction waits us. We're spiritually blind. Like Bartimaeus and his friend. We're walking in total darkness and only Christ can give us a blind, these blind eyes sight. Our need and His remedy. It's our need that brings us to Christ. People don't come to church, not come to church because of a lack of interest. They, come, they don't come to church because of a lack of need. Why don't sinners come to Christ? They don't need Him. Why don't people flee to Christ? Why don't they seek the Lord? Why don't they search the Scriptures? Why don't they seek healing? One reason only. They're not sick. They don't believe they're sick. What brings a man to the well? Thirst. What brings a man to the table? Hunger. When does a man see a doctor? When he's sick. Isn't it amazing that men cannot understand what should be so obvious? I'm speaking of our sin. How could we think the things that we think? How could we say the things that we say? How could we do the things that we do and not realize that we're sick and needy? Actually, there's a simple explanation that's impossible to understand with natural understanding. <laughs> it has to be revealed. Just as the good news for sinners must be revealed, so must the sinner's nature and sin be revealed to them. Now let me finish up by turning you to Romans chapter 7. I pray here that the Lord has shed some light on the unexplainable. I sure don't understand this to the point I can explain it, but the, the Scriptures do a, a great job in doing so. In verse 7, Paul wrote, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Now listen what he says. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. You see, it was the restraints of God's law, the commandment not to covet that revealed to Paul his own sinful nature. Greedy desire, lust for the possession of others was made aware to Paul when God's law forbid it. What a strange psychological fact it is, but true nonetheless, that what the carnal nature and mind what is forbidden seems to make it especially desirable. That's just how messed up we are. Do you think that Adam and Eve would have desired the forbidden fruit had it not been forbidden? You ever thought about that? When a sinner's freedom is limited, the sinner rages against that limit, limitation. Our carnal, fleshly, fallen, depraved nature rebels whenever it's restrained. 
In verse 9, Paul said, I was alive once with I was alive once without the law. That simply means that he was unconscious of his condemnation that his sin brought, and his conscience didn't trouble him. But when the commandment came, he said, when Paul realized that the commandment of God required a heart service as well as an outward service, that's when sin revived and Paul died. That dormant sin within was brought to light when the restraint of that was made known to him. Paul said, I died. I realized that I was a sinner. I was convinced and convicted of my sin. The commandments of God had a promise of life. There was nothing wrong with the law. Men preach today like there's something wrong with the law. The law's perfect. It's weak through the flesh. That's talking about us. We can't keep the law. It's of no benefit for us to do it because we can't do it. We can't keep it. We can't keep it perfectly. When Paul found out that he had broken God's commandments, he realized that he was under condemnation. Verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. You know, sin is always a deceiver. Paul had, had followers of Christ in prison. He held the coats of those that killed Stephen. Paul sinned thinking that he was doing a service to God. When it was revealed to Paul by the Holy Spirit that sin had deceived him, it slew him. He was convicted before God. Verse 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and it's just, and it's good. But this is our problem. We cannot perfectly keep the law of God which is holy, just, and good. <laughs> and therefore, God reveals to us that we have a great need. We're not whole. We're sick. And we need Christ, the great physician. Our Lord said, go and learn what that means. And we can only learn what it means when we've been taught of God and when we've heard Him and learned of Him and from Him. And that's when we come to Christ. When God reveals to us what we are. And He's the one that must do. He's the only one that can. This is why Christ is the chief issue of this book. That's why He has the preeminence. He's the one great subject because of our great need. I need Christ because I'm a sinner. I need Christ because I'm sick. I broke God's holy law. I'm the one who sinned. I'm the one that deserves to die. I'm the one that deserves hell. I need a Savior. I need a substitute. I need a mediator. I need a righteousness. I need someone to pay my sin debt. Can you pay it for me? Nope. Can I pay you yours for you? No. I must have a sacrifice, but I can't provide it. It's got to be a perfect sacrifice. I need Christ to pay my sin debt. Only God can forgive my sin and yours on the basis of that sin being satisfied and paid for by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What can wash my sin away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ in my room instead satisfied justice and He justified me. Best news I ever heard. They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick most certainly do. Have you learned what that means? Christ will have mercy and not sacrifice. He did not come to call those who see themselves as righteous. The blind sinner can't see. He came to call sinners to repentance. Joseph Hart wrote and said it well in a hymn that he wrote, What comfort can a Savior bring to those who never felt their woe? A sinner is a sacred thing. The Holy Ghost had made Him so. Mr. Hart continued, New life from Him we must receive before for sin we rightly grieve. This, is, this faithful saying, let us own well worthy tis to be believed that Christ into the world came down that sinners might by Him be saved. Sinners are high in His esteem and sinners highly value Him. Why is a sinner a... a um, a precious thing, a sacred thing, because God has to reveal it to you. God has to show you what you are. God's got to show you who you need. And He is faithful that promised. May God be pleased to make it so for His glory, our good, and for Christ's sake.